Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me tonight for the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta, your host, day coach, a matchmaker at singleinthecity.ca. How do you date with intention as we move forward and start looking at post-pandemic life? Tonight, we're joined by a very special guest who will help us get ready to date again, Amy Chan. Amy is the founder of Renew Breakup Bootcamp, a retreat that takes a scientific and spiritual approach to heal the heart. And she's also the editor-in-chief of Heart Hackers Club, an online magazine that focuses on the psychology behind love, lust, and desire. Amy is also the author of Breakup Bootcamp, The Science of Rewiring Your Heart, which is available now. Tonight, we're going to be talking about dating with purpose, learning from your past, and how to approach people as we get back to some sort of normal. Thanks for joining us tonight, Amy. How are you? Hi, Laura. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm so happy that you were able to join me tonight. I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you do. I mean, I know that you take a scientific and spiritual approach to healing and dating. Uh, What made you turn to this? And and why do you think putting a focus on this side of dating and healing is so important? Yeah, great question. So I've been a relationship columnist for about 12 years, and I've been running my company, Breakup Bootcamp. For the last five. And the reason why I even fell into this area is because my entire life, relationships and love was the one area I just couldn't figure out. And so I thought if I could understand the science and the psychology behind how love works, then maybe I'll start to have some success. And and what I've found throughout my, my time researching and, and helping people with their heartbreaks and their relationships is there is a science to it. There are tools that we can learn to help us create healthier love. And that's my mission today, to help others um, in that journey. I love it. I love it. Now, taking time off from dating, whether it was due to a breakup or issues caused by the pandemic, taking time off dating, whether it was due to a breakup or issues caused by the pandemic, might also help when it comes to dating again. Are are there any, um, because this is something that you focus on, right, Um, breakup recovery and so forth, are there any lessons that you think that we can take from this romantic break? Yes. So it's interesting because during the pandemic, we've seen an increase of breakups and divorces. Uh, I've also seen people who were best friends and then recognize that they actually would make really good partners and they fell in love. So I've seen both sides of the spectrum. And what I think one of the key takeaways is what we've learned through this pandemic is what actually matters and what are the values that are important. And because of the pandemic, it's kind of forced us to get real realistic with what actually makes a viable partnership. And the, the good news is that's the silver lining is the old ways of dating. Maybe we were optimizing for just looks or superficial qualities that's starting to fade away as we understand those aren't the things that are the glue that causes the relationship to maintain and sustain. And so I think one of the things that we can learn is what makes a relationship viable 
a long-term partnership viable. It's a combination of values, chemistry, and timing. And you need that for its foundation. And too often, we put too much emphasis on the chemistry. And I don't blame people because if you look in the media or the fairy tales or the rom-coms, that's what we're taught. It's all about the chemistry. And that has misled us to have unrealistic expectations when it comes to love. Right. It's so important to have a little bit of both, though. Like, I, I, like, because um, I was in a relationship where it was mostly compatibility and there wasn't as much of the chemistry. But then I've also been in the relationship where, where it was the opposite. It was mostly chemistry and there was no compatibility. And I don't think any of them were, were the right fit. So I think that we need a concoction <laughs> of both yes. in order to have that you know, amazing relationship. But what are some of the other lessons that we we can think of that we can, you know, maybe um, take from a breakup, let's say? Yeah. So one of the traps I see with people who have gone through a breakup, whether it was a few months ago or a few years ago, is they get caught in still vilifying the ex. And here's the thing. If you're still blaming your ex, analyzing your ex or hoping for your ex to change or waiting for that closure to happen. The reality is you're still in a relationship with your ex. And sometimes blaming keeps our recovery dependent on the actions of another person. And that's something we ultimately cannot control. And this powerlessness keeps us in a state of suffering. So I see this often, you know, even years after a breakup, and this is what we call baggage. The, the holding on to the pain is sometimes the last part of the relationship we've got left, and we almost identify with that pain. And so I think that's one of the things that we can look at is, of course, after a breakup, there's stages of separation. There's seven different stages, and where you're at is going to require different strategies. But if it's been quite some time and you feel that you're stuck, it's time to take a look at what are some of the thinking traps that you're privy to and being caught up in shoulds, um, having catastrophic thinking. um, Those are things that are going to keep you stuck in a rut. Right. Yeah, I love that. And, And another thing that we need to be better at is to listen to our gut. Because our gut never lies, does it, Amy? It really doesn't. I mean, have you ever started dating someone, but you just knew that it wasn't going to work out in the long term? Then a few months go by or maybe a few years go by, et cetera, and then you ask yourself, like, how the heck did I get here? Like, where am I? And and maybe you've been unhappy in your relationship or marriage for many years, but you didn't want to leave um, because it's comfortable and you don't know what's on the other side. I mean, and then you're questioning, like, is the grass greener on the other side? Or perhaps you're getting older now and you can't imagine being alone when you're old. So we stay. But being with someone yeah. just because you don't you want you don't want to be alone is no way to live. Your happiness comes first. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. And that means to get comfortable being alone. You have to be okay with being alone before you are happy or you can be happy in a relationship. And we are all alone at some point in our lives. So the next time you're in a relationship, 
make a mental note on how you react when you're around this person. I mean, do you feel excited? Do you feel drained? Do you feel emotionally and, and physically stimulated? Do your goals and your visions for the future align? These are all questions that you should be asking yourself when you're around someone that you're dating. And every day is not going to be perfect, right, as perfect doesn't exist. But there should be a far greater um, or there should be far greater good days than bad days. And you shouldn't be constantly questioning the relationship. You should feel good most of the time. That's the goal. And not every day, uh, you know, is this relationship going to be amazing. But your gut should be a reminder on how to take notice on who's right for us and who's wrong. So I'm a huge, huge advocate of that. How do you feel about that using your gut to make help? Yeah, I think that, I think that sometimes we ignore the red flags because Mm -hmm. what you said, we have these reasons for wanting to be in a relationship so badly, whether it's a fear of being alone, whether it's a clock and a timeline, whether it's a plan that we've had. I mean, I know for myself, I was dating to, to marry since I was like 12, right? I had this whole plan and it had to be by this age. And if I didn't have that, then I was a failure. So I think that sometimes because of these other reasons and the root of that, yes, it's fear, it can cause us to overlook the red flags. It can cause us to rush into something too quickly before we actually get to know them and build trust and build rapport and get to know their character. And, you know, it's a chemical cocktail, right? At the very beginning, you are on love drugs. There's dopamine, there's oxytocin, there's all these chemicals that are happening that can cause us to get more and more attached. And so I think that, having an intentional approach to dating is really important and not just waiting to be chosen. I see this a lot often, especially with the people who come through breakup boot camp. They, um, they are the recipient of being conquested. Someone likes them and they don't really like them in the beginning maybe, but then the person tries so hard and they're like, okay, fine. And then they fall for them and suddenly everything changes and they, they show a different side to them. But it's important that we are also doing the choosing. We are not just reacting to someone choosing us and we get intentional with the type of partner we want to choose. And so I'd say the number one thing we can do is write down a list of your values and write down a list of your non-negotiables. And the next time you go on a date, you reference that list. I love that. We need to take a break. We're going to continue this conversation. I want to talk about the risk of putting someone on a pedestal too early when dating. I also want to cover how to know if we're ready to start dating again when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bilotta with tonight's guest, Amy Chan. We are discussing dating after the pandemic and learning from past mistakes. Let's jump right back in. So, Amy, how can we take this time to make sure that we're in the right place to be dating again? Yeah, so the only way to really know 
is to actually do it. I think that if you are fresh out of a breakup and you are dating as a way to distract yourself and suppress your emotions, that's not a good idea. But after a period of time, it's important that you actually put yourself back out there again. And the only way to tell is to try. And if you go on a date and you come back and you are back into fetal position crying and you are back into suffering and pain mode, okay, that's a sign that maybe you just need a bit more time for self-care and to get back to an equilibrium. But if you don't get yourself out there, you're just going to build that anxiety and you're going to get to a point where you'll never feel ready. Because when are we really ready, right? We learn about ourselves and we actually take the knowledge that we learn from our past mistakes and we integrate that into wisdom through practice. So it's like you can read a book about riding a bike, but there's a point when you just have to go and ride the bike. Yeah, but I, I think, though, you you need to get to a place where you're not stalking your ex. You're not stalking their social media every day. You're not waking up every morning thinking about them. You're not comparing them to every person that you meet. Yes. Yeah, so when you are still stalking your ex and, you know, going down memory lane every day, scrolling at their photos, you're still in a relationship with your ex. So, yes, I believe you need to not be in a relationship with your ex, whether it's in your own head or it's actually physically. Um, but, yes, if you are still in a relationship with your ex because you're still stalking them and they are, you know, every living, breathing moment they're in your thoughts, then that means you're still really in a relationship with them. Yeah, and I think also you're, you're uh, ready or you may likely be ready to date if you've learned more about yourself. You know, you found your passions, your hobbies, the things that um, you do uh, or you enjoy doing for your own self-pleasure and fulfillment. You know, because a, a person shouldn't be in a relationship looking for happiness. I mean, you are the creator of your own happiness in life. And in a relationship, uh, you know, in a, a relationship should supple- supplement that. It shouldn't be responsible for it. And also, like, you know, if you've attended therapy or you've processed your previous relationship, maybe you've had a really amazing support system. Maybe you don't have to go to therapy. Maybe your friends were your therapy. Um, but, you, you know, you have a strong sense of self, meaning that you know who you are, you know what you need from a relationship to be satisfied, and you know what qualities you bring to the relationship. Yeah, I believe our relationships, they are like a bridge, right? When it doesn't work out with someone, it's not a failure. It's not a failure if you learned and if you grew. And so if we look at each relationship being a bridge, and here's the thing, the bridges don't take you to a destination of happily forever after with someone else. Those bridges are helping you in your journey of self-discovery and self-love and self-compassion. And so if you take each relationship as an opportunity to learn more about yourself, then I think that that could be a really helpful way of reframing. Uh, Because I don't think that you have to be in complete blissed out happiness world in order to be ready to be in a relationship. No, I I agree with that. I mean, I do. I do agree with that. But I do think that you have to be in a decent place because if you're not, you're just going to keep attracting garbage into your life. So I I do. I I think that you have to, you know, I think that uh, the law of attraction is in effect. You attract who you are. So I do believe that you have to be in somewhat of a, a good 
place. You don't have to be extremely happy, but you can't be looking for somebody to complete you. You need to complete yourself first. For sure. Yeah, your baseline of of joy is not going to change because someone comes into your life and increases it, right? You might have a blip in the during the romantic stage when you're filled with, you know, dopamine and chemicals, but you will ultimately return back to your baseline. So if you start off and your baseline is miserable, you will, you can meet someone and have a blip and then you'll go back to your baseline of misery. Uh, same thing. If you start off with a baseline of, of joy and, and you're, you know, pretty at peace with yourself, then that's going to continue. I love it. I love it. Okay, so I know that so many of us are eager to get back out there again now that uh, we're, you know, we're starting to look at post-pandemic life. But this will also come with some challenges, especially for those who haven't been active or who are getting over heartbreak that, you know, that came during this time. What do you think are some of the important things to keep in mind, you know, uh, when you do decide to start dating again in this landscape? Yeah, great question. So the greatest problem people have um, when I work with them and dating and they're disappointed in love, they constantly look at themselves and they think that there's something wrong with them because it's not working out. And, and a lot of the times it's actually who they are choosing. And so there's something called present bias, which is this tendency for us to overvalue present day benefits such as height requirements looks um, and undervalue benefits that are ultimately going to be important in the future. And research shows that in happy, successful relationships, the key things that matter is emotional stability, empathy, kindness, and an aligned way of dealing with conflict and big life decisions. And so we need to start optimizing for those things that will actually impact the health and success of the relationship versus the brand of skinny jeans they're wearing. (laughs) So updating our dating strategy is important. Uh, I know for myself, I, you know, in my twenties, I was totally superficial. I had this checklist of my type and I cared about all these things from how much money they made to the brand of clothes they wore. And as I grew older, I wanted different things. I wanted family. I wanted partnership, but I didn't update my dating strategy. So I think for anyone listening, if you are having a hard time with dating or you're feeling disappointed in love, look at your dating strategy and ask yourself if it needs some updating. And I love that. And then also, I think what's important is to take the time to reflect on what you do and don't want in a partner. Um, and I'm not talking about the superficial things. <laughs> so you want to analyze past relationships and you want to evaluate what did and didn't work for you. So um, one of the exercises I give some of my clients um, uh, is the exercise to write things down, you know, in two lists. So write out your positive char- the positive characteristics and then the negative characteristics. And then repeat this exercise for all your exes. And then write a list of your core values or your must-haves, you know, the things that are really important to you, like maybe maybe religion or do you want to have children? And maybe, you know, a must-have would be like I 
someone that doesn't smoke because smoking definitely turns you off. Another must-have is, like, I'm a country girl. I, I need to live in the country because I cannot live in the big smoke, right? So if you meet someone who lives in the big smoke, you want to live in the country, it's never going to work out. Um, so write down the things that are your core values and the things that you must have. And then that those are the things that are important to you um, and that you're not going to budge on. And then, uh, you know, from there, you can define on paper the type of person that you should really be looking for. And and this is going to bring or help bring a sense of empowerment and focus and will actually help you attract the right person and steer you towards a healthy, lasting relationship. So that's something that I always tell my clients as well. I love that your your exercise is not about those things that are your type in terms of you know, I, I get this a lot. They have to be this height. They have to work in this industry. They have to, and those are the things that actually don't ultimately matter. And I love your idea of those those core values and things that are really important. Because if you don't have that down, that's when we can ignore the incompatibility because we feel this rush of chemistry. And as we know, chemistry alone is not enough to carry the relationship. So I think that's really great. I also think that the, the, the package in, in the way that this person might show up might look very different. And that's where if we can be more open-minded to the type of package that this person might, might show up, um, we won't just dismiss people that could be really great fits for us. I totally agree with all of that. As a matchmaker, I mean, you cannot believe the things that we come across. You know, I, I'm a 60-year-old lady, but I won't date a guy who makes less than $250,000 a year. I won't date a guy who's balding. I won't, you know, have, date a guy who has a bit of a belly or I, just unrealistic expectations are what keeps a lot of us single. Uh, I have guys that won't date blondes or won't date a redhead or won't, you're right, you know, she's five foot, but she won't date a guy under 5'10". Just really, uh, things that just, in in the grand scheme of things, they don't matter. (laughs) They just don't matter. So I love everything that you said. Is there anything else that you'd like to share uh, for people to keep in mind when they start dating again? Yeah, I want to talk about chemistry because I hear a lot of people who say, well, I just don't feel that romantic chemistry on the first date. Here's the thing. When you're on a date with someone, you want to identify if there's a base connection. That means you have fun, and the thought of seeing them again gives you energy. You look forward to it. If that's there, it means there is some sort of connection. Your brain might take time to cognitively process what type of connection that is, and if it's romantic chemistry. But you will not know unless you spend more time with them. There's something called the mirror exposure effect, and it's our tendency to like what we are exposed to more and more often. And this is across the board with food, with music, and with people. So if you have fun with someone, it warrants a second date. And if you want to see them again, it warrants another one. Give some time for your brain to catch up to see if it's actually romantic chemistry instead of dismissing them on date one. I love that. And also refrain from having sex too soon if you're the type of person who gets emotionally attached by having sex because sex clouds 
judgment. <laughs> so keep that in mind as well. We need to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about the risks of putting someone on a pedestal too early when dating. We'll be back. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show. It's Sunday night and you're listening to Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta, your host with my guest, heart hacker, Amy Chan. And we're getting back to our chat on post-pandemic dating and the things to look out for. Here we go. All right, so... We were uh, talking about, well, you kind of touched on it, you know, putting someone on a pedestal too early when dating. Uh, I've met so many people who are ready to dive back in and, and really throw themselves into looking for a partner again. And one of the mistakes that I commonly see people make in situations like these is they'll feel the passion, you know, that chemistry that, that you were talking about, and then they jump in with both feet without really taking the time to get to know them, to make sure that they're a right fit because the feelings are so strong. I, I was one of those people. I think we all were, you know, when we didn't really know anything about relationships. It was all based on chemistry. It's like, oh, I met this amazing person, and yeah. then you jump right back right in there, right? And then um, what we do or what everyone does who does this is, is, is they tend to put the people or the person that they're dating on a pedestal. So let's discuss this, right? Let's discuss some of the problems that come from this, putting people on a pedestal, and how we can avoid it. We'll start with you. Yeah. So when you're putting someone on a pedestal, you are not in reality, and you are living a fantasy. And, and, and it, can, it can actually give you a rush. So maybe on the first date, they talk about how they want to retire in Bali, and in your head, you're like, oh, my gosh, I've always wanted to do yoga in, in Bali. And in between date one and date two, you're at home, you're thinking about this person, you're thinking about your life together in Bali, and then you, you know, had a farm and three kids and now this yoga retreat in Bali. And what's happening is in between date one and two, as you're having these thoughts, you're actually getting these chemicals that are reacting in your body and your brain. And so you're actually developing more feelings for them. So the intensity of how much you like this person and your attachment is going up. Whereas the other person, if they're present, it's not, right? So the next time you go on a date with that person, you have already lived three lifetimes, had a yoga retreat, and five children together, and this person is just on date two. This is causes a big problem. And so this is, I call it future tripping. And we do this because we want so badly that fantasy and how good it feels that we, we, the in-between parts without having the facts, we plug it in with make-believe. And this is what projection is. And this is what putting someone on a pedestal is. It is not reality-based. No, it is not. And when, when we first meet someone and we put them on a pedestal, it takes away the authenticity of getting to know them. And then 
we become so absorbed in, in all their amazing qualities that we forget that, hey, you know, they're human beings too. And, uh, um, and then as time goes by, we're going to see the other parts of them. And they may not shine as bright, right, when we get to know them. We, and we compromise our standards to keep, to keep them in our lives. We go out of our ways to please them. We tend to do things that we generally wouldn't, wouldn't approve of. Um, we try to not show our flaws so that we don't push this person away. And we idolize people, and then we blame them when they don't act the way that we want them to act. But we put up with those things in the first place, and now we want them to change. I mean, like, it's harder to get people to change once you've already accepted them and their behavior. So, you know, just be mindful, you know, and don't put people on pedestals until they've earned it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. As we get back out there. What are some of the things to keep in mind? Uh, I'm sure there are so many people that are feeling quite anxious about opening up, getting back out there, putting themselves in social situations. Uh, do you think that this anxiety can hold people back? And, and how can you deal with it? I mean, let's just say you are feeling nervous about getting back out there. Yeah, I say gamify it. <laughs> I tell my clients to conduct a dating experiment and date 10 different people who are outside of your type. That might mean if you're on a dating app and you normally date only people within, you know, 30 to 35, expand that range a couple years younger and a couple years older. And take the pressure away from trying to find your soulmate on date two. The whole point of a dating experiment is to experience different kinds of people. And you'll be pleasantly surprised that you might meet someone who you normally wouldn't give a chance to because they are in finance or they are a little bit older than you thought you wanted to be with someone. And you appreciate how you feel with them. They're really thoughtful. And that helps you get more familiar with what healthy love can feel like. And it can help you expand outside of these beliefs that you have around your type because the type is holding you back and it's stopping you from seeing people who could be a really great viable fit for you. I think though, like as we get older, it gets more challenging um, when it comes to finding dates. It really does get challenging. Um, and it, it may even be challenging for someone to find 10 people to go on a date with. Because it doesn't get past the conversation. And some of these guys, I don't know if you're dating right now online, (laughs) I mean, don't know how to have conversations online. I'm sure, and I hear the same from men when it comes to women. There are a lot of games going on. So what if you're having a difficult time, like just finding 10 people to go on dates with? I think that there's, I mean, there's, millions of people on these apps and I think dating is a skill and it's a skill that you get better at with practice so if you are finding that a conversation is going nowhere then it's totally okay for you to say hey enjoy talking to you here's my number if you want to meet up let me know right you can you can also create some limits and you can also express your needs and direct how that relationship dynamic is going. And if someone's just, you know, wanting a pen pal, you can choose to stop engaging. And then there'll be another person. Well, we need to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Amy 
about the biggest red flags to keep an eye out for when you start dating again. We'll be right back. Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It's Sunday night and you're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca with my guest, Amy Chan. We're chatting about how you can date with intention as you get back out there. Let's get back to it. All right, um, let's talk about um, the importance um, of getting back out there and maybe not, you know, repeating the same mistakes or wasting people's time when we do start dating again. What do you think are some of the biggest red flags to to keep an eye out for as you start dating? You know, because you don't want to waste people's time. You don't want people to waste your time. What are some of the things that we should keep an eye out for? I think inconsistency speaks volume. And sometimes we hang on to these these few moments and we don't pay attention to how consistent this person is over time. And that's why it's it's healthy to not rush into it and rush into the intensity of a relationship. And also, yes, like you mentioned, if you get attached very easily and if you're having sex, um, you're, you're being flooded with oxytocin, which is the bonding chemical, and that can cause you to overlook those red flags, such as inconsistency. And so the only way that you really can get to know someone is actually seeing how they are through time, through conflict, how they treat other people, how they talk about their exes, how they talk about their family. And the only way you know that is through experience with this person. Rapport and emotional intimacy takes time to build. So allow that process to happen before you jump in with two feet and say, oh, my gosh, this is the one. And then you fill in the spaces with maple leaves and you project onto that person. So I think that's number one. And I think the second thing is I talked about this earlier. Research shows that the things that actually matter in a long term, happy relationship are values such as empathy, emotional stability, kindness, ability to deal with conflict and big life decisions. And so look for the things that actually matter. Look, and it's those small things. It's thoughtfulness. When they are going on a date with you, do they make you drive an hour to their place? Right? Are they, you know, are they, con- are they contacting you? Or do they disappear for two weeks? Stop making excuses for bad behavior because there's chemistry or because you want the connection so badly. Mm-hmm. Other important things. Do they make you laugh? Are they kind? Um, Do they make your life easier? Do they understand your love languages? Um, Do they make accommodations for you? I mean, do they trust you? Do they help you clean the house? (laughs) Do they they give you massages when you want them and need them if your, you know, your love language is is touch? Um, Things like that, right? Um, if, If you're looking for a gentleman, does he treat you like a lady? Those are important things. Um, So let's talk about maybe some of the red flags that people should be aware of when dating online. And I can maybe go through some of those. 
So if you are online dating, with, which most of us are, right, um, if this person is, is, you know, let's say you're chatting with them for a while and they're not interested in hopping on a phone call or a video call with you, I think that's a red flag. Um, if they don't make any effort to eventually meet up with you, I mean, that's, that's why you're online. So if they keep giving you the runaround and they just, never make a plan or, and, and that's another thing, right? As, as females, I mean, we shouldn't just be waiting for men to make the first move. How do you, uh, what, what's your take on that? Like I'm, I'm always telling ladies, ladies, if you see something, go after it. I mean, I don't really necessarily agree with chasing a man, but at least getting in his way and letting him know that you're interested. So what are your thoughts on, on women being more proactive these days? Oh my gosh. I think that, yes, <laughs> it's, yes. I, it's again, we, we are not just sitting here waiting to be chosen, plucked up like a flower, right? Like be clear on the type of partnership you want, the way that you want to feel. And then when you see someone or you have a friend who might know someone who might, you know, fit that, this type of vision you have for a partnership, be proactive about it. Don't just sit there and I think that's really disempowering to be like, oh, oh, you know, I, I can only, you know, hang out if, if they make the first move. Well, you know, actually, they've done research that shows that in a bar, they actually um, studied people in a bar and looked at who actually made the first move. And what they realized was women made the first move. So, in fact, they saw that the woman made an average of 13 indirect and direct glances before the man dared approach. And oh, yeah, I always did. Yeah. And so he's doing these space maximization movements and checking in to see if she's watching before he approaches. And this is done on a subconscious level. So the woman is giving the green light saying, hey, it's okay. You can talk to me. I'm not going to reject you. So it's totally okay for you to give the green light to let someone know I'm not going to reject you because it's scary out there. It's scary for both men and women. So it if there's someone that piques your interest, give them the green light. I always did that in a bar, and I always felt that the guy wouldn't come up to talk to me until after midnight when he had a few drinks in him. He always did, but he waited. So it's, he needed some liquid mm-hmm. courage. <laughs> Another reason why you should let a guy know that you're interested in him. Because, again, he, he may be shy, right? Um, another, uh, a few more red flags that people should be aware of when dating online is um, your gut tells you something isn't right. They keep coming and going. They appear, then they disappear. They appear, mm-hmm. and they disappear. They don't write anything in their bio. They've only posted one picture. And they're, they start talking about sex right away. I mean, mm-hmm. They're probably just looking for that. Oh, my goodness. I have been loving this conversation today. Thank you so much, Amy, for joining me tonight. Where can people learn more about you and your amazing book that you just recently released? Yeah. So renewbreakupbootcamp.com is my website. And you can follow me on Instagram at Miss Amy Chan. And my book, Breakup Bootcamp, The Science of Rewiring Your Heart, is at all bookstores. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, and you guys can learn more about me on Instagram, official Laura Bellata. Check out uh, singleinthecity.ca for upcoming events. And you can learn more about me. Check out my Instagram page, official Laura Bellata. You can check out my website, singleinthecity.ca. And you can find me on Clubhouse, Laura Bellata. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Until next week, ciao for now. <laughs> <laughs>